You guys having a conference over there? Yes. Oh. <laughs> ah. <laughs> well, that is a good thing. Yeah. That's a good problem, right? When we start running out of parking spots. <laughs> All right, Alicia Rose. She is. All right, very good. I'm glad you're here this morning. Open up your Bibles to Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Now, I don't know where it's at. I just saw it a little while ago. But uh, I'm, I am putting down, for, oh, there it is. I'm putting down First Thessalonians when it should be Second Thessalonians. And I'm putting down chapter 1 where it should be chapter 2. So I've got it all mixed up. And just so you know, we are in Second Thessalonians chapter 1, verse 11 and 12. Okay? So whatever you may see. Yeah. Oh, there you go. See? <laughs> I didn't see nothing. <laughs> Yeah, well, I know, but I've got it. I've tried to fix it, you know. So, uh, yeah, we're not going back to First Thessalonians. We can, and I think we're going to do a little bit of going back because Paul is talking to the people in Thessalonica, and he's already spoken to them. He was very proud of them. It's a church that was a, a, a model in a sense. He was bragging and boasting about the church. Maybe not bragging, but boasting and and just commending them for they for their their work and their receiving of the gospel and how it continues to spread. In the very short time that Paul had with them, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> and so Paul, we, we call that First Thessalonians, at least for our series that we were talking about, we, we named it uh, a model church. And so Paul, right away, he writes back to them, uh, maybe months, not more than a year. He writes back to them, which is very quick for most of his letters. And uh, we, we, this, this series that we're calling uh, a church to be commended or a commendable church. <coughs> <coughs> Okay, let me try that again. I'm okay, I'm good. And so, and in, in, just like every other church, any other church that, that we may have, including ours, there are always problems, always things that we need to look at. And Paul has received some, some reports, of course, he's been hearing that people are talking about the end times already. And that's, this is very interesting because there are a lot of people talking about the end times right now, uh, especially with what's going on in Israel. And, uh, and I want you to stick around for those of you that like to click the button on North Park. Okay, that was enough. You need, you need to hold on. They, they do that. We get a lot of likes and people just click. Okay, that was good. Next. And so you need to hold on. And, and if not, just you know, take your time in listening to today's message because it's going to give you some information. I'm sure you've heard a lot of it already. And many, time, many people are just saying, well, look, it's wars and rumors of wars. You keep hearing that. Wars and rumors of war. And that's true. It's what we're hearing. However, that's not the very first thing that Jesus talks about. As you well know, we've talked about that quite a bit. And so we have a lot of things, a lot of information going on out there, and everybody's coming up with their, you know, ideas and thoughts. And, and of course, you know, I'm just going to go with according to what Scripture says. But I, I personally believe that uh, God has brought us to this point, our, our church at least, to get the message out to this point where it just seems to fall in line to what every, everything else is going on. Because in this portion of Scripture that we're talking about in verses 11 and 12, Paul starts off by saying, to this end, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. Father in heaven, more than anything else in this world, we do want peace. We desire peace. We desire for all these things to be fulfilled, all these needs that are in this world and in our life and in our family, in our nation. 
We do desire for you to be king and to rule over all things. But more important than that, Father, our prayer is that you be glorified in all things, especially in this evil that's going on, Father, that somehow that we come to realize and understand that it is all about you and you be glorified and you, your people. And Lord, as we see the news just unfold before our eyes and we hear the reports of all the, the carnage that is, is taking place and all the things that are happening around the world and even in our own state, we ask you, Father, to be glorified in it all. We may not understand it. We may not see how this is all going to glorify you. But one thing we do know, that these things were prophesied years ago to happen. So help us to get a grip on that and understand that, we pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says... Today, I'm just going to go back a little bit to what we talked about last week and look forward to what we're going to talk about next week. If you see your title right above chapter two, it's called The Man of Lawlessness. The Man of Lawlessness is, of course, the Antichrist that we're going to be talking about. Once again, um, this is the portion of scripture where Paul is saying, you know, I, I'm, I'm just getting back to you guys because I hear there's people that have been talking that the Lord's already come. Don't, you know, don't, don't pay attention to them. As a matter of fact, these letters that you're receiving, they say they come from me and I haven't said that. So Paul is addressing this right off the top. And, and so one of the things that we have to realize is that, well, let me start here in verse 11, first of all. To this end, we always pray for you. And this is a prayer that Paul is saying, you know, to this end. And in other words, because of all this, and you have to stop and pray, okay, because of, the, because of what? Or you can also say, therefore, and as I've said many times before, one of my professors once said to me, every time you see the word therefore, you need to stop and pause and see why it's therefore. So we want to stop and pause to go back to last week, at least at the beginning of the sermon, uh, the 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 uh, book of Thessalonians, <clears throat> in verse 5, it's, he says this, This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God, that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. Now, there's that word worthy again, and we're going to touch again on in verse 11. Uh, that you be worthy of the kingdom of God, for which you are also suffering. So, as, as you remember last week, we talked about the suffering that these people were going through, the affliction, the, the, the hatred, and all that they were going through because of what Paul had preached. And Paul preached Jesus Christ and Him crucified, resurrected, and returning one day. Now, the, the people there didn't want to hear anything about this because this Christ, this God that you're talking about was killed. <laughs> and now you say he, he rose again. He was just a man. And so they didn't want to hear these types of things. And so they were distorting a lot of the gospel message. But Paul is, is adamant about saying, look, I know why you're suffering. Beloved, please understand, I too have suffered. You know this. You know, you saw what they did to me. So what Paul is talking about here, this therefore, or to this end, verse 6, since indeed God considers it just to repay with affliction those who are afflicting you. Israel understands, Israel knows, and you need to realize this as well. Any affliction that comes upon you be outside of God, any affliction that the enemy believes that he's given to you outside of God is going to be repaid. There's going to be retribution to pay. God is going to take care of these people because this is God's, these are God's children. Israel, from the very beginning, he's told them, he says, look, you are my people. I will promise you, but, but see, you have to be faithful. If you obey all that I have commanded you, then I would bless you. If you do not obey, then all the things that I've already said is going to happen or will happen to you. And Israel has been under God's judgment for many years. And what Israel has done is they, they, they have tried to, to do their own thing. 
They believed that by following these other gods and adding a little bit of this and a little bit of that, it's kind of like the person that says, well, I go to church and I'm a Christian and I believe in God and God has forgiven all my sins. As a matter of fact, I even believe I'm elect. I'm chosen. So, hey, it doesn't matter what I do because I'm going to heaven. That statement basically says you're not saved. Why would you want to do anything contrary to God? If you love God and he saved you and you understand your own depravity, you understand what he saved you from, then your response ought to be, praise God, have mercy upon me because I know what I deserve. I know. And, and, and we talked about that a little bit last week. But let me go on here. First of all, in verse 8, in, well, I have to go back to 7. And grant relief to you who are afflicted as well as to us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, inflicting vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus. They will suffer the punishment of eternal destruction away from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his might. When he comes on that day, to be glorified in his saints and to be marveled at among all who have believed because our testimony to you was believed. So Paul says, I understand you're going through affliction. God looks upon Israel right now and he knows that she's going through affliction. This attack, this, this whole, this horrific thing that you've been hearing on the news, it's been happening and it's been happening, but we know that these things must happen. The good thing that we know is that this is not the end. You know, you need to understand that there's some nations, there's some alignment that has, we'll talk about this next week more so in depth, but there's some alignments that have to happen. There's some alignments with the kingdom of the north and, and, and Persia, and there's some alignments that have to happen with all the other uh, countries around where they all come against Israel, where there's no one left to support her. Thank God for right now, the United States, they're, they're supporting, they're, they're, they're in full confidence and support of Israel right now. Thank God people in the north or in England, most of the Western world is in support. This, is, this was wrong. Thank God that there is that type of support. However, at the end time, there is no one to save her. God puts her in a very, uh, in, in a position, in, in a place where there is nowhere else to turn but the Messiah and they will see him. As he descends on the cloud, and they will recognize him, and every knee will bow, and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. And when this takes place, this takes place at the end. Okay, now, and in, in, in what Paul has been t- trying to get across to the people in Thessalonica, and, and to us as well, is that yes, there is an end. Yes, Ezekiel has talked about it. We know that there's this, this uh, war that's supposed to take place. But these wars and rumors of wars, these are just the precursor to what actually is going to happen. And we'll, we'll touch a lot on that here in the coming weeks and, and a little bit more. We're probably going to spend a little bit more time. And, and I don't know if you remember this or not, but <clears throat> when we were in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 talking about the rapture, I, I, I even thought about just pausing right there. Okay, let's go ahead and take care of this, the rapture, the second coming. And, you know, we would have been done by now. You know, we would have been done, you know, just taking care of it. It just took a long time. And I says, you know, I'm just going to wait. I'm going to wait until we get to 2 Thessalonians. And by God's grace, and I thank God that we waited because it's falling right at a time when we can see it and, and see it unfold before our eyes as well at the same time. In Israel, you have to have all these nations lined up. In Israel, you have to have them come to the point where they recognize that the Messiah had already, has already come, which is Jesus Christ. They don't need the temple. They don't need anybody else but God himself and the Messiah. And at that time, all these things that are happening right now point to the end there's one thing that we don't have a sign for, and that's called the rapture. You see, the rapture, as we read it and we understand it, will happen seven years before the tribulation starts. That We believe that the rapture is going to take place, we call it a, a pre-tribulation rapture. In other words, the church is going to be raptured 
prior to the tribulation starting. And there is the seven-year period that needs to take place. Now, if all the signs are pointing to the end right now, beloved, do the math. We are there. If this is the place where the Messiah will return at the end of the seven-year tribulation, then we need to start counting backwards, and the rapture should have happened seven years ago. So, and turn with me one more time, one more time to Matthew 24, because I, I cannot say this enough, in Matthew 24. In Matthew 24, what, what Jesus is, is sharing and talking with his disciples, he goes to the, to the temple, and for the next two chapters, it says here, that in, in chapter 24, verse 1, Jesus left the temple and was going away when his disciples came to point out to him the building of the temple. Now, the temple was just a marvelous structure. It was a beautiful structure. It was built high and gold laden, gold all over the place, in between the mortar and, and along the walls. And it, it would reflect, people, could, people would say that you can see it as the sun was setting on how they designed it and where they placed it. So as the sun set, it just was, was shining throughout the whole region. Jerusalem is way up in the mountains. And so you can see this temple from way out there. And as the disciples are just marveling at this beautiful temple, and Jesus, they're telling him, man, look, look how beautiful this building is. Lord, we built it for God himself. But he answered to them, he says, you know, you see all these things, do you not? Truly, I say to you, there will not be left here one stone upon another that will not be thrown down. In 70 AD, that prophecy took place. In 70 AD, the Romans came in and conquered all of Jerusalem. They were just fed up with the Jews. In 70 AD, if you know anything about Scripture, you know that Jesus died in 33 AD, supposedly. And, uh, and I say supposedly because the time clock might be a little bit off, but we're going to go with 33 AD. He was 33 and a half years old. We calculate our calendar from the birth of Christ, zero. And so 33 AD, Jesus Christ was crucified and resurrected. Some 37 years later, you see, 37 years later, this, then, then all of a sudden the temple is destroyed. The Jews have had enough and they're dispersed and they're run off from their land, never to return again until 1948. Now, at this time, when they went in, all the people that were plundering the temple, taking the gold and artifacts and everything else, they saw that this building had gold inside of it. So yes, naturally, they went mining on this temple and they, 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 they mined that, that temple and they went to it and they tore it all apart until they got all the gold out of it and it was demolished and it was destroyed. Jesus' prophecy came true. And then he sat there on the Mount of Olives. The disciples came to him privately saying, tell us, when will these things be and what will be the sign of your coming and the end of the age? And Jesus answered them, See that no one leads you astray. The very first thing Jesus says, beware the deception. Beware of how you are being led astray. Beware on all the things. And he's not talking about the people in the world. He's talking about the people within the church. All the various types of thoughts and ideas and things that you need to do to be saved or you need to follow because, you know, totally out of scripture, much of it, Jesus is not talking about the, the world is deceived. We are, we already, I hope and I pray that you can differentiate between the world and the word. And, and my, my responsibility, my job to you is to show you what the word says. So when the world comes up and shows you something else, you will say, that's not what the word says. And please, please, please. And I beg of you, do not ever say, that's not what Pastor Sal said. It's not me. Okay. That's not what the word says. 
Because yes, Pastor Sal taught it to us, but this is what the word says. And it says, and, and you go with that because the world, oh, it's so deceptive. It's, it's, it is so deceptive. But within the church, within the church, and, and some of you might be able to testify to some of that, some of those things that are going on in the world and in the church. And you might be able to say, you know, I, that, that just doesn't sound right. You know, that, that, that just doesn't sound right. And, and you know this already because the spirit himself is leading you to those things. But Jesus says, see to it that no one leads you astray. And he says, for many will come, uh, see to, for many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. Once again, going back to the church. I'm the Christ. I'm the Messiah. I'm the Savior. Christ, remember, anointed one, the Savior. I'm the anointed one. This group of people, they, they have the actual truth. What the Bible is teaching is that's old stuff. I'm giving you a fresh word, a new word. I got a revelation from God and I now got to teach it to you. You see, I am receiving direct messages from God. And so you don't need this word anymore because I'm going to show you what he said. Beloved, be careful with people that do not use the word of God. For many will come in my name saying, I am the Christ and they will lead many astray. And you will hear of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not alarmed. Okay. There's wars and rumors and wars. Those things are going to happen. But that, first and foremost, is the deception that is going to take place. It's going to be so deceptive. As a matter of fact, well, before I go there, let's just say, okay, it's that time. Let's, let's just say, okay, there's the wars. There's the wars that he predicted. Those are the wars that we've been hearing. However, he says, do not be alarmed. Do not panic. What are you afraid of? Why are you panicking? Why, why, why even panic? Because God is on the throne. Amen. We know what's going to happen. And you know, we may have to go through some of that tribulation. We may have to go through some of that, those trials before, you know, those are called the birth pangs. We may have to go through some of that. And if that's the case, then that's the case. But at the moment in time, we, we, we thank God because we know, we, beyond a shadow of a doubt, we know we have confidence that the rapture has to take place first. So if this is the end, you, you know, God is gearing up. He's gearing up to take his church. And so we need to be ready. We need to be situated, suited, and booted for the time that the Lord Jesus Christ says, okay, it's time to go later. What about my house? Well, whoever's left behind, they can have it, <laughs> right? What about this church? Whoever's left behind, they can have it because I got me a mansion I'm going to. I'm going to a party, a celebration in the kingdom of God presented to the Father as the bride of Jesus Christ. And we're going to be celebrating for seven years. We'll come back. We'll come back and all be destroyed then. But you know what? God's going to remove everything and place, give us a new kingdom and a new earth. So we'll be back. I'll be back. <laughs> said Pastor Sal. You know, said Jesus Christ. Okay. But, but look at this. This is so key. And we really need to understand this because, because uh, there's, there's a lot of deception that seems to be going on. In verse 11, he says, he says it again. He, does, he never says again, wars and rumors of wars again. He never says that in verse 11. He says, but he says, and many false prophets will arise and lead many astray. Prophets, people that say they speak for God, people that say that they have a new revelation, a new word, a fresh word, that Bible, that, that's, the, that's the, you know, as a matter of fact, a lot of the people out there, which come from the New Apostolic Reformation, the NAR, a lot of those people say, you know what, that, that is a dead letter. That letter is dead. And what you need is you need a fresh word, a new word, a real word, something that God gave me. I'm the chosen one. I'm the one that you are to listen to. Beloved, be careful. 
Because many false prophets, not many false antichrists or many uh, false uh, political leaders or many false, because we know those guys are all political, they're all false. Not anybody out in the world, business leaders or corporations, social justice movements, none of those guys. He's talking about prophets. Those that call themselves prophets that are out for a profit. Those guys. And there's more. Look at verse 24. Well, we'll start in verse 23. Then if anyone says to you, look, here is the Christ, or there he is, do not believe it. You know, there are a lot of people, oh, look, that, that's where the word is at. You know, it's a fresh word. It's a new word. It's a, man, you, you ought to just hear what he's saying. And a lot of these guys are going to be very convincing. As a matter of fact, you know, the Bible says that they're going to have these signs and wonders. They're going to be false signs and wonders. They're going to be able to produce some sort of signs and wonders. And then in verse 24, he says, For false Christs and prophets will arise and perform great signs and wonders so as to lead astray, if possible. This is how deceptive it's going to be, even the elect. If possible. Now, I understand that there is a fear Maybe a concern, maybe not a fear. And, it, and there should be genu- genuinely something, you know, something was supposed to happen this last Friday the 13th. Um, but my mom never called me. Sorry about that. Anyways, there was supposed to, something happened, you know, Friday the 13th. It was supposed to be a jihad and something was supposed to happen. You know, and it still might happen. But, you know, we went out to dinner. <laughs> you know, we went out and, you know, okay, if it happens, it happens. You know, just keep your head on the swivel. You know, just be careful. Uh, and and it's, it's interesting because as I'm listening and following up to a lot of these guys that are boots on the ground there, there's these two brothers, um, Joshua and Caleb, well, the, the spies of, of Israel. The, Joshua and Caleb, they went to go film this documentary that they were doing. And they were to leave last Monday. Now remember, this attack happened on Saturday morning. And they, they were already done. They already finished up their, their taping. They were going to bring it back home. And they were going to, in Texas, and they were going to edit it and get it ready to go out in January. So the attack happened on Saturday and they got stuck. They haven't been out. They've been there, Joshua and Caleb. And this is, you know what, praise God. You know, right now as I'm speaking and you can hear these, mis- look, hear the missiles going overhead. They're blowing up right now. You know what, if this is how God is going to take me out, I'm going to continue to preach the gospel. He says, as a matter of fact, some of the things that are, that are happening here, it is amazing. These people have lived with this type of war for all their life. They haven't stopped. They still come to work. They still, you know, move us around. We have drivers. We have cooks. We have maids in our hotels that come and take care of us. And they tell us, please be careful. And, and I, and he says, I went and talked to this maid and I asked her, you know, why are you telling me to be, what about you? Oh, you know what? If God is going to take us out, he's going to take us out. But God has always rescued Israel. That is the confidence. That is the confidence that is being displayed in this country that is bombarded yes people have lost loved ones yes people are, are are dying and yes people are the children oh my god you know and just what is taking place in this country and so and they're trying to turn it around and you know i'm getting into next week's message and but i just want to give you a precursor of what we're going to be talking about but you know all of this in in the whole scheme of things the people in Israel, these two brothers out of Texas, uh, there's other ministries that are there as well. Other places, other people that have been, there's people filming there all the time. Some of them got caught behind and, and left behind because of this. And, and they're in a very good position to give us news that most of the news isn't given us. Because they, they, you know, they're, a lot of people are tuning into these guys. They say, you know, I don't trust the news media. I don't, you know, I'd rather listen to what you guys have to say. And, you know, it's, it's 
it's kind of strange to me at least. It's kind of strange that it kind of lines up with what we're hearing from the news media. And I'm kind of like, okay, what's going on? Why, why, why is it lining up? It doesn't usually happen that way. You know, I'm, I'm not, anyways, that's just my conspiracy theory. But here we have the salvation of Israel. Yes, we need to pray for Israel. And Paul says in verse 11, going back to 2 Thessalonians, in verse 11 he says, To this end, because of what you are going through, because therefore, after everything I've just said, because of all the trials and the tribulations, and, and you know that you're going to get the ret- they're going to get the retribution, you will get repaid for what's happened to you. To this end, Paul says, we always pray for you. And, and yes, we need to pray for Israel. Yes, we need to pray. And it's, it's, it's not a prayer that we want Israel to get out of this. Of course, we don't want this to happen, but we know this is going to happen. We know it's going to take place. We know that Israel was given this land. We know that it's their place, and the people have been wanting to fight for it ever since. They believe it's theirs. And yes, and so Paul says, I pray for you. And and this reminds me that I too need to continue to pray for you. I only have you for a short time on, on Sundays. And I only have some of you on Wednesdays, and every once in a while I'll make a visit or something. But you know what? I can I only have you for a short amount of time during the week, but I could always, always pray for you. And I want to. And I want you to put it on the back of your uh, card and, and, and tell me, you know, because you asked me to pray for that, that, that lump that you had in your throat or that, or that pain that you had on your back or, or that whatever it is that you're going through and, and, and that the doctors had said, you know, let me know. You know, not only just, you know, tell me, but you have to, you should write it down because I don't remember everything. What day is it today? Anyways, anyways. I don't remember everything. If, if it's written down, I, we can pray for you during our Bible studies, during our meetings, which we do. Just let us know. Turn in a card. Call me. Text me. Let, you know, uh, and, and I want to know how, how it's going with you as well. And please continue to pray for your pastor as well. As we talked about that here a couple of weeks ago, Paul says, pray for me. And I, I've, I've never publicly say, said that before until I read it from Paul. It says, well, Paul was asking for prayer. He wrote about it. So, you know, I, I guess I, I, I can... I, never really saw it as part of your responsibility. And I know you pray for me. You know, I have, I have people tell me this all the time. Thank you, Joan. I, I know that you pray for me. And Terry, I know I've heard you guys praying for me. And, 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 but it's hard for me to even say it. You know, Paul said it, pray for me. So I'm just saying, pray for me. Okay. Everything's good, by the way. I mean, I, I don't, I think everything's good, right? Okay. You're not, you're not going anywhere. <laughs> Everything's good. You know, I'm not saying that there's problems or troubles or whatever, but pray for your pastor. And what Paul says, he says, you know, to this end, we always pray for you. Always. And he was confident, you know, and we know that God is in control. We know that he has all things set aside. We know that all these things are going to take place. And so you ask, why should we pray then? Why should I even pray? Hey, my father in heaven knows already what I need. Why should I pray? Well, first of all, because God commanded you to <laughs> pray like this. He says, first of all, glorify God, our Father who art in heaven. You need to love God and glorify Him and, and hallowed be your name and holy be your name and your name be raised up in all places, in all because we know that that's not happening because your kingdom has not been established here yet. So the kingdom in my heart for the kingdom that I've been given, I need to share that with other people. And let your will be done, not my will. 
on earth as it is in heaven. And your will has not been done on earth yet. And so we're praying, God, for the peace in Israel, for your will to be done here, and for your name to be glorified in my life as well as in the people around me as well. I mean, I can continue on with the Lord's Prayer. Uh, Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Okay, Lord, you're going to take care of my daily bread. Daily. Why daily bread? How come not weekly? How come not monthly? How come not my annual salary? Because God wants you to trust in him. Say it. God wants you to trust in him. He does. He says daily. Right now. Just today. And we have so many people running around with their heads cut off. It seems like like chickens. And, and it gets messy. I don't know if you ever had a, see a chicken run around with his head cut off. It makes a mess. A bloody mess. Don't do that. You know, and, and don't be wandering around with like this cloud over your head. And when people ask you, how are you doing? How are you doing? Oh, I'm doing okay. You know, I'm under the circumstances. What are you doing under the circumstances? Being under the circumstances is like being under a mattress. Get out from under there and get under the sovereignty of God. Know that he has you in his hand. And if you will go through persecution, don't worry about it. Because he is going to repay. He's got retribution coming. To this end, I pray for you. You know, and, and I learned this prayer a long time ago. There was, there was a missionary that came from uh, St. Petersburg uh, in Russia, and he came to stay with us, and he was going to school with us. And so, I, I, you know, I gave, we let him a room, and, and he says to me, he says, you know, I, I, we went to these caves up here to pray, and we prayed all day long, and then we came back down because that was part of the assignment that, that we had. And, and he was telling me, he says, you know, uh, one of the things that I learned in Russia is that my prayers have been shallow, self-serving, very selfish, you know, about, you know, I pray for my family, I pray for my health, I pray for my job, I pray for my income, you know, I'm praying for my peace and protection. And he says, you know, one day we had this, uh, we had this Bible study and uh, we, you know, we would all come to this Bible study together and, and every week we'd show up. And one week, uh, one day this lady wasn't there. She, she wasn't at the Bible study. And so I called her and she, she was at the hospital with her son. Her son had, had fallen and got hurt. And he was dead. He almost dead. And, and so the doctors were trying to you know, revive him and bring him back. I said, all right, well, well, we'll pray for you. And she says, okay, stop. I want you to pray for me, but I want you to pray like this. She says to him, pray that God uses this instance this situation this time so that he can be glorified in either the doctor's life or the nurse's life and then God's will would be done in the hospital's life or whoever comes in contact with my son that God's will will be done in their life and then you can pray for his health that was powerful he says I'd never ever saw it like that when we are praying for ourselves we need to pray that God's will be done in Israel God's will be done in your life that he received the glory and when Paul says, you know, I'm praying for you guys, this is one of the things that, that I'm praying for. And as a matter of, he, let me go through the outline very quickly because I'm getting way ahead of myself. To this end, we all, we always pray for you that our God may make you worthy of his calling and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by his power and that he will fulfill every resolve, everything that you have going on in your life, everything that you have going on in your life, that he will fulfill that resolve that take care of those things because there's something more that i want you to do i want you to trust in god's power i want you to trust not on yourself not on you but i want you to trust in god's in god's power so number one jesus is glorified best when god makes us worthy of his calling when he makes us worthy of his calling you, you know it, this is <clears throat> 
this is something that I, I don't think we've ever really looked at or even kind of touched on as individuals, I should say. We've talked about it in church, and I've, I've given some message on it. But it's God that makes you worthy. You don't make yourself worthy. As a matter of fact, none of us are worthy. We said last week, we said, you know, uh, it's not fair that God only chose some. How come? Why did he choose some? You want fair? You don't want fair. You really don't want fair. Because fair would be that, okay, everybody is, not, is going to hell. Everybody is going to destruction. Everybody has eternal damnation because everyone has sinned. That would be fair. And I know in my heart of hearts, and I know that I, I do not, I am not worthy. That I am not worthy, but it is God that has made me worthy. Paul says this, he says, you know, it's God that has made you worthy. To this end, he says, I pray that God may make you worthy of his calling. Not as a pastor, not as a professor, not as a teacher or a businessman or whatever it is that you do. Not your calling, your profession, but your possession of the Holy Spirit and how the Holy Spirit is residing within you. Your calling, the word calling always in Paul's mind and thought, most of the time I should say, is the calling is on salvation. That you have been called into his kingdom. And this calling, that he says it again, in, uh, he said it earlier in 2 Thessalonians 1.5. This is evidence of the righteous judgment of God that you may be considered worthy of the kingdom of God. He's talking about all the things that are going on. This is because this is happening to you, you know, all these things that are happening to you, this is evidence that you are part of the kingdom of God. And so if you're going through struggles and, and uh, trials and things are happening in your life because of a Christian, not because of bad choices you've made, as Peter would say, not because of, you know, driving around without a license, getting pulled over or whatever the case may be, but because of your profession of faith. Then what we need to do is consider that God may consider us worthy of this kingdom. Look at Acts chapter 5, verse 41. Paul and the apostles, excuse me, it was, this wasn't Paul, but this was Peter and John. And they, they left the presence of the council rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. Now in this story, they were preaching the gospel. And they told them, don't be preaching that Jesus Christ around here anymore. And they went out and they preached it anyways. And so they got them. They, they started beating them up again. They said, look, we told you guys not to do this. And they says, hey, what are we going to do? Are we going to obey God or are we going to obey man? We'd rather obey God. And they let them go. And they counted it worthy. They were like, you know, maybe I would have been crying. Why me, Lord? Why me? But he was, they were, they said, praise God, because they made us suffer. They persecuted us because of Jesus Christ. And they took that as a badge of honor. And what Paul is saying here is he's saying the same thing. I want you to be, be considered worthy to go through the stuff that you're going through, to, to experience the, the hell literally on earth that you're going through because of my name. And God will make you worthy because of what you're going through. In Philippians 1.27, only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ. So that whether I come to you or I'm absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. He says, I want you to be living a lifestyle that is worthy of that kingdom. Not necessarily trying to li live this ascetic lifestyle where you're punishing yourself and you're, you're beating yourself and you're crawling on your knees to, to get the church or whatever the case may be, trying to live in poverty, but that you continue to proclaim the gospel and recognize it doesn't matter what they might say about me. It doesn't matter what they may say about me. Because you see, in the end time, there's going, to be, uh, there's going to be a judgment of what's going to happen. And um, 
and what's happening is uh, right before, right before Jesus starts to talk about his second coming, all the things that are going to happen, he talks to the churches. And the church in Sardis, he says, you, yet you have still a few names in Sardis, people who have not soiled their garments, and they will walk with me in white, for they are worthy. What Jesus is saying through John, he says, you know, these people that, that have been out there, they, they have stayed away from the world. They have stayed away from the worldly things and they have not soiled their garments. They continue to worship and to proclaim Jesus Christ. And he says, you know what? And those are the ones that are worthy of what is coming to them. And the only time that, well, not the only time, but one of the things we hear about believers, I think this is the only time we hear about believers in the writer to the Hebrews, as they're talking about all the people that have died and all the people that they persecuted and all the faith that had been mustered by Jephthah and, and uh, the judges and all these various people, some that were sawn in two, so they were destitute, living in caves, all their possessions taken. And then the writer says this in verse 38, of whom the world was not worthy. You see, beloved, when you are at this point where you are living your life for Jesus Christ, this world doesn't deserve you. This world is not your home. This world has no hold on you. This world is not worthy of your sacrifice, of your life. Wandering about in deserts and mountains and in dens and caves of the earth because this world is not worthy of you. Number two, Jesus is glorified when our walk is in obedience to Him. When our walk is in obedience to Him. The second part of verse 11, and may fulfill every resolve for good and every work of faith by His power. And and this walk is not necessarily just how you walk. I mean, I've seen people that are in wheelchairs, that are in walkers, that walk the walk because of who Jesus Christ is. They give their life for service and they, they follow his footsteps. They follow what he said and what the apostles have said and the decrees of the apostles and the teaching of the apostles and they follow his word. This walking, this walking is the direction in where your life is heading. And, and granted, there are times that we stray, we stumble, we fall on this path that God has called us on. But we get right back up again and we continue to walk in this path. Paul says to the people in Ephesus, he says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called. Once again, he's talking to them saying, this is what you need to do. In Colossians 1.10, so as to walk in a manner worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing to Him, bearing fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. When Paul is talking to them about this resolve for good and every work of faith, the only way that we can work this faith, the only way that we can do this is through the power of the Holy Spirit. We can do a lot of things on our own. We can build buildings. We can can have all kinds of events and we can have people show up here, but it's only through the power of the Holy Spirit that we can actually do the kingdom work. Because right now, all we have is hands work, man's work, things that people do. And it is, it is the ability to be able to step out in faith. Okay, Lord, we are trusting you for this endeavor. We are trusting you to you work, that you work in this ministry, in this church, in this person. And every one of us need to step out of ourselves. And we need to step out of ourselves and work according to his pleasure. And every work of faith by his power. And this is what Paul is talking about when he says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, he says, We exhorted each one of you and encouraged you and charged you to walk in a manner worthy of God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. 
And again, in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15, look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of time because the days are evil. Can somebody say yes and amen? Yeah, it's happening. The days are evil. So what does it say? Make good use of your time. Make good use of your time. And, and you know, there's, there, I, I, there are things still in my life that I've got to start peeling off, that I'm starting to now. I'm starting to peel off. I want to make better use of my time. I don't have much time left. I, you know, I, I, my, only, my only regret is that I didn't start sooner or earlier in life. You know, instead of at the age of 30, when I come to know the Lord Jesus Christ, I, you know, I wish I would have started at the age of 15 or 20 or something before that. You know, there would have been a lot more, lot more fruit, I guess you would say. But, you know, I may not be able to change the past, but I can do what I can right now. I can change right now for tomorrow. Amen. Are you with me? Are you with me? Where'd James go? How come he left? He thought he was with us. <laughs> I was, I was going to point at him. Why'd you? <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I was, that was rhetorical. I don't want <laughs> He's with me in spirit. Yeah, he, I know he's with me. I know he is. That's why I was going to pick it. I know. But I was, <laughs> Psalm chapter one. This is not in your outline. But Psalm chapter 1 says, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the land, or the Lord, I'm sorry. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Blessed is the man. You know, what are you doing in darkness? What does light have to do with darkness? Nothing. You know, and, and I know that there are some things that we might do to, you know, to, just to kind of help and appease and be a part of and try to help them. But how many times do they come over to help us? You think Satan would say, yeah, why don't you guys go to church? Why don't you guys go to church and get saved? Yeah, maybe some of you guys should. No. Why do we partake of the things of this world when this world doesn't want to partake of anything that we have to offer? There he is. He came back. <laughs> he was transported back there. I was just talking about you, brother, in a good way. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked. Now, you know, and these are the people that want to probably change policies and do things. And so there are a lot of Christians that like to walk within the political circles. They like the influence. They like to be able to be influenced, by the way. And you see, it always works this way. Bad character or bad company always corrupts good character. It does. Bad company corrupts good character. Because it's easier to pull somebody down than to try to pull somebody out. I'm not saying it can't be done. But unless you are standing firm, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the land. You see, of the Lord. I keep saying land. But his delight is in the law of the Lord. You see, I am, I am helping you and I'm trying to show you to stick it to God's word. Just focus on God's word and read God's word and learn God's word and memorize God's word. Apply God's word. Meditate on God's word. These are the things that we that will help you to grow. Yes, there are a lot of things out there that might sound good, but if it aligns with Scripture, you don't need it. And if it doesn't align with Scripture, you don't want it. Focus on God's word. See, Jesus is glorified, number three. Jesus is glorified when our witness glorifies the name of Jesus. When our witness glorifies the name of Jesus. Paul finishes off this section. 
so that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you and you in him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, there, there is there is this whole thing that, it just, that it just took place. And Paul has just written to them, I understand that you've been going through trials. I understand that you've been persecuted. But God's got some retribution to those guys. So what you need to do is you, you just need to stand firm. And to this end, I am praying for you because the most important thing out of all of this is that the name of our Lord Jesus may be glorified in you. And I'm wondering, and I'm asking rhetorically, please don't answer. You know, do you see Jesus, the name of Jesus being glorified in you, in your job, in your school, in your home, in places that you go and visit? Is the name of the Lord Jesus Christ being glorified in you without even saying anything? You don't have to carry a Bible, a huge cross. You don't have to wear a hat that says, you know, Jesus loves me and I love Jesus. You don't have to put a bumper sticker on your car. You know, what would Jesus do? WWJD. For a long time, I, I saw WWJD. I always thought it said, we want jelly donuts. So I, I wanted one of those for my bumper. I mean, you don't have to, you know, advertise it. Is the name of Jesus being glorified in your life? And to this end, Paul says, I am praying for you because that's the most important thing of all time. And for Paul, as he wrote from prison, not, not this letter, but as he wrote from prison, the other letters, Philippians, Ephesians, and Colossians, as he wrote to the people, he says, you know, I, Philippians, the most joyous letter of it, that he's ever written. Rejoice, he says. And I say it again, rejoice. And he's in prison. You know, and he says, I want the name of Jesus Christ to be glorified in my life. And you know what ended up with him? They beheaded him. That's what happened to him. They took his head off because he was glorified and he glorified Jesus Christ. Now, that's not written in the Bible. You know, we know that, that well, we, we, we think that because of tradition. People have written about that. And so we... We know that he lost his life. There was, Paul was never to be heard again from uh, once he went to Rome. He was in Jerusalem in prison for two years. And in Rome for two years, God put him there to write these letters, get this information out, and disciple people because that was it. Paul, God says, okay, I'm done with you. You've done sufficient. This is what's going to happen. And whatever happened after that, it, we don't have it in Scripture, but according to tradition, Paul lost his life. Never heard, of him, never heard from him again. And so in 1 Peter chapter 4, this is the first part. You have the second part in your outlines. It says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. This is the part that's in your outline. But rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. One of the videos that the bearded, they're called Bearded Brothers, Jacob and Caleb. They got these huge Jewish beards, you know, and it's really cool. And one of the things that these Bearded Brothers did when they first, because they're, they're out there, right? And, and these sirens go off, and so you have to run into the bunkers in the hotel rooms or wherever you're at, and you come back out. But one of the videos that they showed us, they showed a bunch of Messianic Jews. Messianic Jews are Jewish people in Israel that believe in Yeshua, Jesus Christ. They believe that He is the Messiah. And Yeshua, these Messianic Jews, they're dancing and they're clapping and they're singing their Hebrew songs and they're praising and they're praying and reading scripture. And these guys are thinking, man, this is, this is amazing. They're, they're, they're going to be killed. They're going to be killed. We're going to get bombed. And these guys are just worshiping, worshiping. Rejoice in so far as you share Christ's suffering. And the people in Israel, most of the people there that, that believe in God and those that are not yet you know, Messianic Jews, those that trust God, they trust in his faithfulness. 
They know that Ezekiel said that they will be saved. They know that, you know, if they put in the old, the New Testament, they'll realize, okay, that's how it's going to happen. But they know they're going to be saved. They know they got a Messiah coming. They know that they're going to be rescued. They know this. They know that the Messiah is going to come down from heaven and put his foot on the Temple Mount. They know that, that all these, that all the enemies, and they know they got to go through all this stuff. They just didn't know when it was going to happen. But they're worshiping and they're loving God. And God is not done with Israel yet. It's all about it. It's not about the United States. It's not about us, beloved. We have been grafted in. And in Romans 5, 2, it says, Through him we have also obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Paul was writing to Rome. He was writing to the people that are Gentiles. And through him, he says, we have also obtained access. We too have been brought in because of what he has done. And into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. And first Peter closes it out like this. And after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace, who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. Let me say that again. He who has called, the God of all grace, who has called you into his eternal glory, salvation, in Christ, will himself restore you, confirm you, strengthen you, and establish you. That is a promise. I don't know, beloved, which one of you are, are needing to, may, we all need to hear this story right now, this, not this story, but this verse. We need to hear this promise. But some of you here more than others need to realize and understand that he is going to help, he's going to, he, he himself will restore you. He will confirm you and give you that confirmation that you need, that you were there. You don't have to be, you know, wishy-washy and thinking maybe yes, maybe no. He's going to confirm it in you. Yes, you are in. Yes, you are part of the grafted. Yes, you are part of the Gentiles that have been gone and lost and brought in. And the time of the Gentiles is not over yet. But until the time of the Gentiles, then Jesus Christ is still alive. And he's working and bringing people together. And he's wanting to bring those of you that you love as well. Those of you that have loved ones. But he's waiting for you. He's watching you and he's wanting for you to get involved because he's going to restore you. He's going to confirm you and he's going to give you the strength to do so on the things that you think are just impossible. I could never, ever reach that person. Yes, you can. God's going to give you the strength and he's going to establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. That's Peter's prayer. We want him to be glorified in all things. And in spite of what he does or what he doesn't do, we pray his glory, right? In Israel, in our life, and in your life, in this church. Let me ask you to stand. Because I want us to pray. I'd like for us to pray for, for Israel. In light of what we heard today, in light of what Paul says, to this end, because of what you're going through, Israel, because of what's happening there, we pray that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in you. And we know, Father, that all these things are not by accident. And you're, you're gearing up to do something. You're lining up the nations. The nations are lining up against Israel right now. 
with Hamas, Hezbollah joining with Iran, Persia, which is Persia. When, and Lord, we, we know that Afghanistan is, is coming up soon and Egypt and, and all the other nations as well. And so the lining up is taking place and it seems to be happening right before our eyes. But Father, we know that, uh, that this, this, uh, the holy war that took place in 73, and we also know that the six-day war took place, and, and the war in 1948 as well, that all of these wars, Father, they, they've all been taken care of because you've always stepped right in at just the right time. And so we trust, Father, that it, also that this is going to happen here because we know that this is not the end of Israel. We know that. And so you will step in and you will save her. And you will bring to light many more, many more that have confessed who you are, our Lord, our Savior, Yeshua, Messiah, the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. And so, Father, we continue to pray for the peace of Israel until your will be done. But most importantly, Father, we pray that you be glorified, that the name of Jesus Christ be glorified. And Father, I pray that same prayer here in our own struggles, in our own little wars that we're going through, within our homes, within our families, within our, 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 with personally. And I pray, Father, that we can learn how to be restored and confirmed and strengthened and established in you. And that we recognize that all these things that are taking place in our life and in our country and in our homes, in our city, all these things, that we learn how to glorify you in all of them. In the ugliest of the ugliest, in the poorest of the poorest places, Father, we pray that you are glorified in all things. Teach us how to do so, Lord. I thank you for this opportunity that you give us to come together. And I pray that this prayer for Israel and for our church and for individuals around it, that each one will learn how to pray that you are glorified. The name of our Lord Jesus Christ glorified in all things. Help us to leave this place with that resonating within our hearts and in our minds that the name of the Lord Jesus Christ be glorified in all things. Because, Father, that is what we need to be doing, glorifying your name. You have an agenda. Your sovereign will is going to be done. And you will met out what needs to be met. You have to give out what has to be given. And you have to accomplish what you're going to accomplish, with us or without us. And we know, and we pray, Father, for the peace of Israel but that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified. So thank you, Father, once again, for this opportunity that you give us to pray together and help us to remember to continue to pray. We pray in Jesus' name. And everyone says amen and amen. Thank you. I'll be up here for a word of prayer if you'd like.